Hello and welcome to How We Live Online. I'm Christina. I'm Joanna. And I'm Alexis. <laughs> Alexis is here for our episode about dystopian YA, which stands for Young Adult Fiction. Yes, and I'm actually so excited because I waited until now to tell you, Alexis, so I actually have a call out to you in my notes. So oh, no way! Now you're here to respond directly to the call out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we thought, you know, since last week we kind of covered the government and places. Today we're taking that even further, right? What happens when everything falls apart? <laughs> How do we imagine it and talk about it or write about it? And sort of work through those thoughts and feelings. Yeah, let's take it to its most extreme and then put hot teenagers in the mix. Oh my god, so true. basically what we're talking about. Actually though, because (laughs) I want to talk about like the casting for some of these things because it becomes so iconic. Iconic. Truly. Jennifer Lawrence, she's having a resurgence. Shailene Woodley. Yes. She, I don't know what she's doing. She's, she's having I, a desurgence, I she's, think. No, she's married to, she has a capsule wardrobe, and she's married to Aaron Rodgers. They're divorced, I think. Oh, never mind. I think. I don't know, though. <laughs> we'll have to check up on her. Aaron Rodgers is, like, not doing well. Oh, okay, well, sorry to them, but, yeah, we're talking about dystopian YA today, and just, you know... To make it fantastical. I thought we could start with the definition of dystopia, which I think we all know, but I felt like going on TV Tropes this week. Yeah. Which is a great website. Mm. I don't know that people... I'm not a writer, but (laughs) people who aren't writers appreciate this site enough. Literally, it's great. So go on TV Tropes to see some excellent, excellent knowledge about you know, all things writing and tropes. Anyways, dystopia is ancient Greek for bad place. And it's a setting that takes a socio-political issue and turns it up to 11, creating oh. a society that many of us would fear to live in, which is literally what Christina just said. It's almost <laughs> like you should be an English professor. Almost like that. Yeah. Or I should quit because <laughs> I'm making no fucking money. Oh oh I would just, I had a bad day financially. But I'm here. Um, Okay, wait. First of all, I need to set the scene for everyone. We're in Alexis's really cute living room, and her dog is here. And if you hear a man sigh, (laughs) it's it's the dog, and his name is Bucket. And, yeah, he's behind Joanna, and he looks really cute. But, yeah. Also, I'm drinking water. I'm also drinking water out of a Nalgene. And I have maybe the sinusitis that Christina had. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's definitely not yours, actually. Is it in your head? Yeah, like, if you feel like my acoustics are off, that's... You you did sound a little little sickly. Yeah, so... Well, yeah, I'm passing it around, I guess. Joanna, what are you drinking? I have... I'm determined (laughs) to keep my streak of drinking something new, and I haven't actually done water yet, so I could have, but I didn't. Um, I made my friend Alexis give to me one of her crown jewel orange cream bubblies. Orange cream? Yes. It's good. It is good. Yeah. All right. Oh, wait. Alexis, tell the people about the Polar Express or whatever it's called, seltzer that you like. Oh, my gosh. You can only find it at Wegmans. (laughs) It's also orange flavored. Um, just polar orange? I don't, I don't know if you're referring to some, yeah, it's yeah, just polar delicious. Orange. Polar it, ice. It, like, tastes a, almost like orangina, though. Yeah, mm. it's orange. Mm. But it's sweet. better. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. 
This tastes like, this orange cream bubbly tastes like the Lemoncello LaCroix, mm, but Not orange. a fan. Not a fan. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to say. I, I like the coconut LaCroix, though. Oh. And I'm, I'm not I, a fan. I, okay. I knew that, I knew I had to give that up because I knew, I knew <laughs> that it would get the same reaction from you guys as I said about the Lemoncello, so. Yeah. I mean, I don't Whatever. love the Lemoncello. I just like lemon or lime, mostly. Mm-hmm. Lima or limo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, it's, they're both limon. <laughs> but, good try. <laughs> I spoke Spanish last episode for oh. one sentence. I've yet to listen. I know it was a re- late release episode. Yeah. So. Anyway. Okay. So Sexy teenagers. Yeah. Well, that's so that's the like definition that. of dystopia. Mm. Yeah. But how do you, I mean, and you guys too, like, how do you think about what young adult dystopia is as opposed to regular dystopia. Ooh. Yeah, I was thinking about this because I feel like for the for the genre of YA, there has to be these huge buildings Roman-esque themes of like, who am I? What am I becoming? That kind of like almost existential, very much adolescent, like where do I fit into all of this kind of thing? And that and then like you kind of put that against Albus Huxley. Like I don't really think that there's a lot of like coming of age themes in that book. What is that book? Called? Brave New World. Brave New World. Mm-hmm. I I did AP English. Like, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean I think that YA just has to have some coming of age theme. A lot of like mm-hmm. personal relationship drama. Mm-hmm. Anything to add, Alexis? No. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense because the English professor once again gave the exact definition. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so in an article by Claire Hintz, they define their definition of why dystopia in opposition to regular dystopia is one in which political action is addressed within the developmental narrative of adolescence, which is literally <laughs> what Christina just said again. Um, so, yeah, I mean... And we talked about this, too, when we were prepping for this episode, that, like, the, probably the OG YA dystopia that we all think of, that we all read, was The Giver. Yeah. I, The Giver, and I think Number of the Stars were both written by Lois Lowry. Is that mm. true? I don't know. I, I didn't know that Lois, okay, <laughs> which is like her? to say, I thought Lois Lowry was the old man <laughs> that's on the cover of The <laughs> Giver. I didn't know that Lois Lowry was a woman, and then she was so cute until, (laughs) I knew, I don't know, like, why in my brain I was like, this is what Lois Lowry looks like. Mm. Yeah. Did you not not think, I didn't think that was Lois Lowry. When I thought of Lois Lowry in my head, I thought that's what they look like, and it's a man. Well, I guess maybe you just didn't know that Lois was a woman's name? Maybe that's... You maybe thought it was Lewis. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> Lois could be, it's like Ellie Wiesel. Like, <laughs> Ellie's a woman's name, yeah. but Ellie Wiesel is, that not is a man. Eli? I know, I thought it was no, Eli. Ellie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, he's the giver on the cover. I know. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, I mean. I it's... think my cover had an apple on it, though. Oh. Mm-hmm. The ribbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the old man on the cover of The Giver. Yeah. yeah. Lois. I think probably... <laughs> I'm sure a listener write to me and tell me you thought the same thing. Because <laughs> I'm sure that was a parallel experience. Any other examples? We'll talk about some today. 
I thought of this as I was coming here today, The Long Walk by Stephen King, but I read that before I read The Hunger Games, and it's essentially the same thing. It, it like, you know, a war of attrition kind of thing, like all the, the young people in whatever town have to go on this long walk, and it's like across the country or across the coast or something, and if like you get out of stride, or if you take a break, or if you talk to someone on the outside, it's like, it's like people, it's like if the people walking on like the app trail or something had a, had an audience and there were like guns, like the trail of gun, tears, gun stations. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> people walking, people dying. Yeah. And then the, anyway, if you go out of line, then you get shot and then only one person like wins. Mm. I've never heard of that. Oh, it's that, really freaky. It's a freaky book. That reminds me, this summer I read a Stephen King, also like young people. It was called The Institute. Have you heard of this? I've heard of that. But it was young people coming together to, they thought they were like there to like build powers, but actually, spoiler. <laughs> um, there will be spoilers throughout this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you guys haven't read like... These books, I don't know what to say. Just Sorry. read a book. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, actually, just read a fucking book. Anyway. <laughs> the, but but actually, the adults running the Institute are using the children to kill world leaders to stop nuclear war? Wait. The kids um, are building powers, like, magical The kids? Powers? I don't know. I can't remember how they actually get these powers. But they come into the institute with some kind of like poltergeist esque okay. like mind, like they can do stuff with their mind. You like know, X Men. Yeah. Interesting. And then they're they are the weapon and of mass yeah. destruction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the main character is like I don't know, eleven or something. So I, guess I wonder it's... when that came out. That Stephen King. It's not, so it seemed new because it was like on the library app, but. Huh. Yeah, I think it's somewhat new, like within the past five years. Um, and then I also re- just read a bad YA dystopian called Wilder Girls, because it was a New York Times bestseller. I think I talked to you about this, Christina. Maybe. I like the title. Yeah. And it had like a cute cover, so I read it, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't fully fleshed out. It was like kind of Last of Us vibes, like there was a uh-huh. virus and they were all isolated and... Like, this girl and her two friends are just getting out. Hmm. But I know, it, like, sounds cool, and then you read it, and it's just kind of, like... Wait, how old were the girls? Um, like, 13. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like that probably profited off of the Wild series, and people subconsciously thinking that it had some connection. Was it actually YA, or was it just about young people? Because 13 is really young. No, it was. The book I'm talking about is going to be... They're, the protagonist is 12, and it's YA. Yeah. Harry Potter was 12. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. it's YA. Usually the, like, young adult is, the readers are a little bit younger than the um, protagonist. Oh. So if the protagonist is 13, it's, like, for a 10-year-old. Okay, maybe not. That. Yeah. Interesting. Because you always want to read about someone older. I loved, this is not YA dystopia, but I loved Beacon Street Girls. Did you read those? Mm-mm. Um, it was just a series about, like, girls who were best friends, who were neighbors, and they were 16, and I was reading it when I was 12, and I was like, I want to be 16 so bad. Yeah. But anyway. That's cool. 
Um, yeah. Stephen King, Wilder Girls. <laughs> There's so much YA. Yes. Lois Lowry. Divergent. I, we've already said that. Yes. I will, I will mention Divergent. Um, okay. So I just wanted to run through really quick some themes I saw in the scholarship about YA just because I felt it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So one, people have thought a lot about and researched about female protagonists in YA. Um, there's a whole book called Female Rebellion in Young Adult Dystopian Fiction, which really makes me want to be a youth librarian because that (laughs) sounds really cool. There's also, this is a critique common to science fiction and fantasy in general, but this idea that, um, you know, young adult dystopian narratives are not diverse. Um, there's one article that I found by Kuzelis, which is called The Future is Pale, Race in Contemporary Young Adult Dystopian Novels. And the idea here is that, um, like I said, it's a critique common to, like, the larger genre of sci-fi and fantasy, but Mm. oftentimes either diversity doesn't exist or the societies that are depicted are, like, transracial in some kind of way. So they don't actually represent, like, the struggles um, that we have in society. Yeah, where's the where's the YA that has like everyone on it looks like that? Americans in fifty years National Geographic yeah. <laughs> picture. Yeah, yeah, truly. And I think too, like that's something that comes up. I I don't know if we'll get to talk about it, but I think in like we already mentioned like the casting. Yeah. For these movies, like I think when these things are written. Especially because, I mean, obviously writing is like you're creating a picture, but since it's not so overtly pictorial as a movie, yeah, um, a lot of times these things are casted in a way that results in backlash, both of people, mm. like from all angles, of people saying like, oh, the cast isn't diverse enough, or people saying like, you didn't represent this character well because you went for a quote, like diversity cast or whatever. We're all or, thinking of yeah. Ruth. We're all <laughs> thinking of Ruth. I just needed to say. <laughs> Yeah, or, like, the fact that the cast is cast diversely and then it falls into that idea of, like, a transracial society in which, like, people are diverse, but, you know, there's no there's no effect of that that doesn't mm-hmm. really exist. Yeah, which is dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't make sense, <laughs> logically. Say. Okay, I, <laughs> I have a joke, but I realize there's no way for me to tell it. Um, You'll fit it in. Okay, so one really interesting book that came out of the scholarship is The Order and the Other, Young Adult Dystopian Literature and Science Fiction, which was written by Joseph Campbell. I... don't we famously love him? The joke is that it's actually Joseph W. Campbell. Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) You told the joke! I did, okay. (laughs) Okay, the joke is that Joseph Campbell, OG, is the, um... The inventor of the hero's journey. Yes. The, a hero with a thousand faces. Yeah. And so I thought Joanna was talking about him and I was like, he wrote another book? I know. I was gonna, when I saw it, I was like, he was on his YA grind? No. <laughs> but no. I'll segue to talk about The Hunger Games. Mm. Because I think in our minds, and I think also when I was, I mean, we talked about The Giver. The Giver and The Hunger Games, I think to me, represent like, just two very, like, keystone novels in, what do you call, like, the body of novels? The body of novels. Canon? Of, yeah, in the canon. <laughs> I was like, you. zeitgeist? <laughs> like, within this genre, right? So, like, I found 
personally doing research that like if a book came out before the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. everything about it, like I don't even know that the genre was codified right. as young adult dystopia before the Hunger Games because mm-hmm. every review of a book that was young adult dystopia said this is like The Giver or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um and then I think post the Hunger Games, we see sort of A lot of novels, like, just so many more young adult dystopia books that are, like, they come to represent, like, a lot of different kinds of stories, but also just so many knockoffs of The Hunger Games that are, like, way too similar to it. Yeah. Um, So then everything starts being like The Hunger Games. And then now I think today we kind of have, like, the whole genre. Yeah. um, That is kind of a lot of different things and people are doing different things in it. Yeah, the Hunger Games definitely was a cultural reset, cultural moment for bookish children. And yes. I think it also came at like at a time where like not not the Harry Potter was like dying down and I would have to check the dates, but it's like almost it's like the the following franchise that kind of filled that gap for people or filled that hole for people or whatever, like mm-hmm. who were so obsessed with this ragtag team of wizards and now we're like ready to have like higher stakes mm-hmm. almost and like I said it before but it, like this war of attrition kind of thing and I I don't know so I think like the fact that it followed Harry Potter was good for it and then all the knockoffs after it the stakes are super high you know how the story is gonna go it's exciting that kind of thing but I read the I read uglies I think like during that time yeah, just more, like, almost like a Ready Player One kind of, like, kids are, kids have very little supervision, and they're, like, running around these crazy dystopian streets on their Mm -hmm. hoverboards and, like, being independent. That's what Uglies is? Um, kind of, yeah. So the Hunger Games, the first one, comes out in September of 2008. Where were you? Oh, my God. (gasps) September It was that early? When did you think it was? I just... I'm Remember thinking you? of this photo of me <laughs> by the pool reading Mockingjay on yeah. my old Instagram with, like, the Valencia filter on it or something. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. But so that must have been, put put me around, like, 2011 or 12. So when but you that was say, the third one, yeah, so I guess. The third one, Mockingjay came out. out in August of 2010. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah, she pumped those books out. Yeah, yeah. she did. There's, like, there are three, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but she there did are four pump movies. those out. Yeah. Okay, but where was I? I was 10. Yeah. I was just starting sixth grade? No. That can't be true. No. No. (laughs) Wrong. No, I graduated fifth grade in 2009. (laughs) I was just starting fifth grade. Okay, (laughs) perfect. Yeah, um, I, so yeah, the first one came out in September of 2008. I also am not sure exactly when I read it. I think it either was in late elementary school or the very beginning of, middle school because I kind of fell off I I wanted to talk about this more I don't know if I mean if it's interesting we can talk about it more but I definitely fell off as a reader around this time I did read the first Hunger Games but I don't think I would have read it if it like passed 2010 because I think I just stopped kind of reading for a period of time Mm -hmm. then but I think what past 2010 I well first of all I was a bad reader until like fourth grade I think mm-hmm. and then and I didn't read okay stop it 
and I didn't read. Um, oh, come here. Oh, no. <laughs> you fell off at a, as a reader at that time. Mm-hmm. I was reading, as I said, Beacon Street Girls. <laughs> and I think I read I read The Hunger Games, the first one, and the second one. I didn't read the third one. I did read Twilight. I think this was a hard time if you didn't want something super extreme. I don't know to read. I don't know. I just feel like everything that was big was like, I don't know, some like sexy vampire thing or like people are, people are dying in a, in an arena. Yeah. I didn't read those books, but I was reading Frindle. Yeah. I I was reading Frindle. I was, yeah. What are we talking about? 2010? Yeah, in elementary. I'm talking about elementary. Yeah, I mean, oh, we're 10. So we're 10 years old. old. I was, yeah. I was, I was thinking about Andrew Clements. <laughs> I read Harold yeah. and the Purple Crown, like, way past when I was supposed to have already read that. Did you guys ever read the Winnie series? That's no. what I... Sounds cute. When you said the thing about people being older, there was, like, a series about this girl named Winnie, and the first one was called Eleven, and then they had Twelve and Thirteen and Thirteen Plus One. Mm-hmm. But you Two, read 14. it when you're their age. And I think Harry Potter was like that. Like, you kind of grew up with Harry Potter, if you grew up with Harry Potter. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I was reading, and I feel like that's kind of, it was just, like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> girl book. <laughs> I read, oh my god, elementary school, so much duty movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I read basically anything except something like Twilight. Um, Yeah. Or even the Hunger Games. Like, I think I'm a serial consumer of the first installment of a TV show, a book series, and nothing more. Yeah. (laughs) I want the first one to be good, and that's it. I will not... I'm not patient enough for anything else. Not everything needs to be a series. 100% in my opinion. And the only reason people have it is to make money. Yes. So, after... Go. I was going to (laughs) say, Catching Fire, the second one of Hunger Games, is my favorite. I don't... Really? Yeah. I can't remember it at all. I don't... It's the red one. I don't think it needs to exist. No, I read it. Wait, do they kiss in that one? You know, I read it ten years ago, but I remember that it was my favorite, and it was the best movie, I thought. The most, like, exciting. I felt just the most... Interesting. I don't know. I've never... I I like the first Hunger Games fine. The others, I think, I, I could never, ever dive into them ever again, and I would die just content. I didn't love it. And I think maybe... I don't know. I just... I, I love a... I love a B... I love B-plot. And I just mm-hmm. wasn't into the, the romance. Or the love triangle. Yeah, it just wasn't mm-hmm. for me. And the Twilight one also didn't really do it for me either. I don't know. It was hard to please. So after um, The Hunger Games comes out in September of that, the year 2008, starting in November, it's on the New York Times bestseller list for 100 straight weeks. Damn. So right off the bat, Suzanne Collins has written an absolute banger and people are in love with it. Mm -hmm. And then, like we mentioned, she pumps out the rest of these novels. Catching Fire comes out in September of 2009. And then Mockingjay comes out in August of 2010. Like each? Wow. Wow. That's fast. I don't know if she had a lot of it written before the first one was published. I don't know. It's possible, yeah. But, um, so in March of 2009, so that's like a you know, little less than a year after the first Hunger Games is, um, comes out, the movie enters production. 
And then it's released in March of 2012, the first Hunger Games movie. Um, we mentioned already the J-Law casting. Yeah. Absolutely iconic. Yeah. That was... And people hated her. People yes. loved her, and then they hated her, and now they love her again because she has a really good stylist. Yeah, And she's still funny. I didn't really know at the time, but this is something that I've read about later, and I mean, not just in preparation for this episode, <laughs> but that she was really criticized for not being skinny enough. Like, oh. people thought she was too, like, her figure was too womanly to play a character who has supposedly suffered a life of starvation. That is oh. so stupid and was a recent critique of a woman who was an actor on The Last of Us. Oh. Like, someone said, like, I remember reading a whole thing about that, too. Like, how is this, like, leader of the rebel people, like, how is she so thick? And it's like, what? Because people are diff. What? Does everyone... Why? I don't know. I just feel like it's, like, such a useless thing to care about. And also, like... I think it's also sort of like the, um, like, what we were talking about earlier of, like, some of the diversity casting qualms. It's like, I think with casting, a lot of times you just can't, like, you can't please people. You can't be, like, it's a different story. Like, you can't all the time be so truthful to the story. Yeah. And I was thinking, that made me think of, um, oh, what was the movie with Matthew McConaughey when he has HIV? But he had to, like, lose a ton of weight. And, like, that's, like, bad for people to do. You know, it's like, do we really want to be in dystopia so much that we're actually starving? I don't know. Like, Like the Lily Collins movie where she plays. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what movie? I don't know what it's called. (laughs) I was going to say, it's called, like, Starving Bones. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is something like that. Wait, she's, like, Emily in Paris is, like, hungry? What is she is like in treatment for anorexia. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Um Okay. Oh, and then they made that sounds like a really intense movie. It is. And then I think Was people, it even a good movie? I haven't seen it, but I think people sort of like a critique of it is you can tell this story without this such yeah. a shocking figure, like literal figure, yeah, of Lily Collins. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's also art, so it's kind of like, yeah. And actors like do have to do crazy things, mm-hmm. like the like, um, yeah, actors have like to do... the Hemsworth, um, yeah, bodybuilding. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, it's intense. So, okay, I'm really trying to get to 2014 here. So. Catching Fire is released in November of 2013. And then Mockingjay Part 1 is released in November of 2014. Um, Part 2 in the next year. But honestly, who cares about Mockingjay Part 2? Honestly, it's actually Part 1 that people don't care about. Um, But that just goes into the bucket of movies that are split in final installments of franchises that are split into two films that really should just be one. Mm -hmm. Because one of them ends up being entirely war. Um, and people didn't sign up to just see a war film of their favorite franchise. No, you're so right. Um, what, the, fir- the first half? The, I, or is the second half? I honestly couldn't tell you. I'm not that big of a fan of the series. One half of it is just war. I think it's the second half. I never saw the second half. Probably, yeah. Interesting. Just, hmm. And did you guys know there's a Hunger Games prequel being released in November of this year? 
No. I didn't realize it was in November. I did know there was one coming out. That's crazy. How did I, you hear about that? I have not heard of I that. I think it was a preview in a movie I saw mm. or something. Wait, um, the movie, pre- a movie prequel? A movie. Out? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That is the goofiest <laughs> shit I've ever yeah. heard. Because of fucking Sarah J. Moss, this YA like fairy writer who has, has blown up. Say the name of that again. A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. All right. You want to know what Sarah J. Moss's most read book is called? She's like the, she's like at the forefront of the genre right now. Mm-hmm. A Court of Thorns and Roses. Mm. That oh! is the same thing. A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And a Ballad of Songbirds and <laughs> the first, Scorpions. The first snakes. sentence <laughs> of the book overview on Thrift Books. The sexy, action-packed <laughs> first book in the number one New York Times best-selling Court of Thorns and Roses series from Sarah J. Moss. I don't trust the New York Times anymore, honestly. Wilder Girls was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. No, okay. Fair. So we've made it to 2014, <laughs> which is what I would coin the apex of YA dystopia. Okay. In this year, we see the release of these movies. Okay, so the books, I'm not going to go through the whole timeline for these, but Divergent, the movie, comes out in 2014 and also The Maze Runner. Okay. So, Divergent is based on the book series by Veronica Roth. She famously penned this series, or the first one, during her college winter break. She wrote it in three weeks. Um, I don't know that much about these books. I think I similarly read the first one, and then I wasn't enthralled enough to keep keeping up. But I did not know this. So, there are four books in this series. They're all like, it's like Divergent, Allegiant... I think I read the first mm. one. Yeah, I think I did too. And now I'm la- I was laughing when you said that she wrote it in three weeks during yeah. her college winter break because I enjoyed the book, but yeah. again the writing I was like, I could have wrote this. <laughs> like <laughs> it had that vibe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So fun fact, there are four books in the series, but there are only three movies. Did you guys know this? Oh no. So the fourth installment in this series has ceased production. The director, so this was in production around, like, 2019, 2020. The director of the second two films didn't want to be attached to the project. Then the studio decided that they should forego the theatrical release and instead release it on Stars. And then Shailene Woodley, (laughs) Shailene Woodley said she wouldn't do it. If it didn't get a theatrical release. Yeah. Mm. So now they've said COVID canceled the project. Mm. Yeah. I mean, shame on COVID. Like, it was going to be good before COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever. Con- convergent or yeah. whatever. The <laughs> convergent. <laughs> yeah, whatever the last one is. Okay. And then also, like I mentioned, in 2014, The Maze Runner comes out as well. Randomly, I watched this movie recently. Mm-hmm. And I think people generally think that this movie and series holds up fairly well. I read the first one. I haven't read any of the others or seen any of the other movies. But this series is by um, James Dashner, and it famously stars Dylan, Dylan O'Brien. O'Brien. <laughs> this is Alexis's shout out. He was my phone background. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, were you a fan no. of the Maze Runner? I saw the movie. Okay. I loved it too. Did you? Well, actually, it? I read the yeah, and I read the book. Okay. Who did you love more? Because I always pegged you as Logan Lerman. Oh, would you love both? More? Actually, they're the same. I definitely different. had 
Google Images saved both of them <laughs> on my phone, so. Oh, what a time. But I guess still, I was like re tum. What was Tumblr re reblogging? I was reblogging. You were reblogging. Maybe Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> okay. Do you did you see did you see the movie the first time with Dylan? Yes. O'Brien? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a gif of him like shirtless, like mm. jumping onto a bed or something. Probably on my blog. Also reblogged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that movie was full of side boob. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really excited because I forgot this was in here and I actually, like, I have to show this to you guys. Um, in 2014, also, in October, Bill Hader was a guest host of SNL and they did an amazing parody on these YA movies. Can mm. I show you this sketch? Please. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pause this. I think my favorite detail... Other than the dirt on the faces and the, the, as soon as they said his name was Thero, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) the hero. My favorite thing was the duffel bags being thrown at him. Yeah. Yeah. So much, so much gear. And yet they have nothing. (laughs) Right, right, right. It's like so much they they must carry. And yet all he's wearing is cargo pants and a Henley. Thank you for sharing. That was funny. That was great. It really brought to mind the sorting of it all. Um... (laughs) The sorting hat. Yeah. The, um... I mean, it's called the group hopper, so I'm not saying anything They will like, not be categoried. What's it called? The the districts? Yes. The districts. The districts. Abnegation is what Shailene Woodley was in. Um... But she will not be categorized. What She's, are those called? Factions. Factions. And, uh, what was the giver? Jobs? Yeah, jobs. <laughs> jobs is something in the... I mean, yeah. The... Districts were basically jobs. Like you're right. the coal miner district. Mm, you're yeah, yeah. you're so the bread true. making. You're district. the Poseidon, the fisherman, Poseidon the fisherman district. <laughs> no, the hot guy from Mockingjay. He was in the fisherman. I don't, I don't Have someone's gonna someone in the comments <laughs> is gonna know? Okay, because he was also in my phone pictures. <laughs> <laughs> we are seeing into Alexis's um, sexual development. <laughs> 2014, like I said, is the apex. Yeah. And then since then, I mean, we already talked about this, that I think everything is sort of compared to the Hunger Games now, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, we're sort of in a new body of work where we have the genre of dystopian YA. I wanted to talk just a little bit about the book Uglies, which also was a series, and it came out in 2005, but I read it, I think in early high school or late middle school or something. I don't know. It had a really good cover. It was like all white and some girl's face. And then it just said uglies on it. And it was close to, do you, it was like in that section of Barnes and Noble where there's like the Twilight series. And then it had uglies. And then it also had that book series that was called like Cracked or like cocaine addict or whatever you know what i'm talking about it was like this book cover that was like Like scary you might be talking about the maze runner because one of them was like i mean twilight had a broken flower maze runner was like scorch trial death cure Mm. kill order i didn't realize (laughs) fever code (laughs) i didn't realize those were the titles it was like it was clearly like a drug reference i don't know what it was i i just remember it like really thinking that it looked like a scary book and being like, I can't read this. 
because it looks <laughs> too adult, too scary. But Uglies was about, um, you know that Twilight, no, not that, the t- Twilight Zone episode where, like, oh, I have to get this surgery to be more beautiful, but then she ends up, like, with a pig face or whatever? Yeah, because that was the beauty standard. <laughs> <laughs> Bucket's just looking really guilty right now that he's bitching and... It's okay. Carrying I think it's funny that when I looked at him, he stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's like my students. My students... Wait. Okay, really quick. Then I'll go back to this. But my students, one person was talking, and I could tell people were getting annoyed with the person talking, and then there was a fury of typing. (laughs) And I was like, fuck y'all. I know that you guys are texting about this person speaking right now. And then, like, I ended class early, so I couldn't, like... My like, mouth is gaping open right now. <laughs> I couldn't, like, I couldn't be, like, hey, like, you guys stay after because a lot of people were staying after to talk to me about, like, their essays and stuff. But I will be pulling those girls next time if they do that again because it's so obvious and I'm not stupid. And one person talks and it's like, da 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 Next person talks. No one's typing anymore. I'm like, interesting. But what's the, like, what will you say to them? I'm going to say, hey, like, I noticed that you guys are typing a lot during class when we're supposed to have discussion and I also notice that it seems to be louder when a certain person is talking and I notice it and I want you guys to stop and they all think I'm cool I think so they'll be mortified Mm. (laughs) and they also chat a lot and I literally go like this I open my hand and I close my hand for those listening (laughs) stop it and then they stop but back to uglies uglies is a book about a girl who is in her late teens and it starts off and she's upset because her best friend who's a boy has gone on to the next chapter of being in this society first you are born and you are considered an ugly and you live in a dorm and you know (laughs) (laughs) you don't have parents the idea okay what's so strange about it is that like i was listening to the audiobook they don't have parents but the writer like scott westerfeld kept like making these comparisons to like being an ugly is like not having any parents well if you were born 200 years ago it would be like that it's like he kept like making jokes about like not making jokes but making comparisons of like to the reader like this is what it's it's almost like not having a family but the character it didn't make any sense for the character to make that comparison because Mm -hmm. she presumably had no understanding of, like, what a family is. Right. So... She's omniscient, mm, but she's not. Yeah, it just, like, didn't... It, it didn't make any sense. You can't, like, have... Oh, Bucket has a bone. You can't have, like, a farmer character make... Be like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's exactly, like, when you are... I'm trying to think of like a an urban example. Oh, like a Victorian ha- child being like, oh, it's like if you could fly across the sky and call it airplane, but yeah. it's not. It's like it's like a it's like if a Victorian child character was like, ugh, it's just like that time, or it's it's just like if you miss your flight, so annoying. Yeah. It's like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like why would that character say that? So anyway, there's these like strange references to um family bucket we can't have this i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) we just can't okay so uglies is about this girl who in the beginning she's upset because she's missing her friend who has gone to the next step of becoming a pretty so for like the first 16 years of your life in this society you are an ugly and you live in a dorm with other uglies and there's generally like just things wrong with you 
Her nickname is Squint, and she has, like, her eyes are, like, set kind of close together, and, like, her nose is weird, and her mouth is weird or whatever, and then, like, her friend, whose name I forget, his nickname was, like, The Nose or something, so he had a giant nose, whatever. And then, essentially, in your next step of being part of the society, you become a pretty, and you go through this cosmetic surgery to make your face completely symmetrical. And there's also this tool that is essentially Facetune, in which, like, as an ugly, you can, you're in, like, a smart house dorm, and you can, like, project your face onto your wall, and then, like, use this app, essentially, to, like, fix your face and see what you would want, what you would look like as a pretty. So, she is upset because she has lost her best friend because he's three months older than her and he is in the pretties part of town, which is like a more beautiful part of town and they have parties and have so much fun. And like in the book, there isn't mention of alcohol, but like all the descriptions of the pretties are like that they're hammered and just like partying and having so much fun. Like Soma. Yeah. And the, (laughs) Alexis just knowingly nodded to Soma. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And what happens? Okay. So the inciting incident is that she is like, I miss my friend. I'm going to go sneak into Pretty's, the Pretty's area. And the Pretty's area is a place that she had snuck into before, like over some bridge that like wasn't a smart bridge yet. And this is the time where like, it was in, like he was, the, the writer was calling everything smart, which I think is funny and also like very mm-hmm. much like of like kind of anachronistic now of that time because like kind of now everything is smart, but like. Mm-hmm. He's, he was like, a, a, there was a smart bridge and a smart road and like all this uh-huh. stuff. But this bridge isn't smart, whatever. She can go over it, but she's busted in the face. So she has to find a way to cover her face. And she and there's a parade going on, of course. And so she finds a mask to put on. And haha, the mask is a pig mask. And she infiltrates this party, finds her friend. He's not the way that she remembered him and she's upset and then when she's trying to flee back home she's like being pursued by you know the the people and she runs into a girl who's also an ugly who also is spying on her friends and so then they become friends and it's like a little bit in like the montage time of them like being besties it's it seems like there's like this undertone of love but the book never gets to that point and like they have this, like, essentially the book is, like, they start rebelling against this idea of becoming a pretty, um, the main character. Does everybody have to, like... Yeah, everyone has to once you turn 16. And her, and she and her new bestie find out that they have the exact same birthday. So it's perfect. They can hang out for the three months before they become pretties. And the main character is, like, I'm so excited to be a pretty, like, I really want to be. And, you know, status quo kind of character. And then the person that she meets is like, I don't give a fuck about that. I've never tried mm-hmm. to, like, look at myself with a with the app or whatever. And, like, I don't think that this is something that we should do. And essentially they, like, rebel against the um, having to do that. But what's weird about the book, I mean, not weird, but, like, clearly a, it's referencing, at least I think, the Twilight Zone episode where, like, the cosmetic surgery the whole time you don't know what this person is supposed to look like but you understand that like the surgery that's happening in the show is supposed to make this person beautiful by society standards and then they turn around and it turns out that this person's been cosmetically altered to look like a pig and you're like oh my god wow society just like decides what's beautiful because like (laughs) me i think that's fucking ugly but like since everyone in society thinks it's pretty it's pretty 
Um, it had a very large girl readership, obviously. And fun fact, my somehow I'm related to him, but he's not my uncle, but basically my uncle, his last name is Westerfeld, and he was like a software developer at the time. So he was like one of the, at the time in the mid two 2000s, like only people who had like a personal website. So he got fan mail (laughs) from girls on that website, like, all the time for the book. That's really funny. Um, Yeah, but I enjoyed it. It's it's very much, like, like, in my memory of it, it was just, like, I just really enjoyed, like, the scenes of, like, these two girls. And I'm, as I re-listened, like, very much, like, queer love coded but didn't go there, like, going on hoverboards and, like, having a great time in this, like, dystopian city or whatever, mm-hmm. and then, like, rebelling against the idea of, like, all of us having to look the same and da 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 Yeah. I think it's just, like, another one of those books, as we talked about in the way beginning, that, like, takes on these political ideas of, like, what's beautiful and then puts it into practice with these, you know, young people and their relationships. And it's one of those things that, like, is especially interesting, I think, to the young girl reader, just, like, based on cultural touchstones that, you know, you you are presented with as a young girl, like Barbie, um, just generally wanting to look like a princess or whatever. Um, and then these books are marketed to you. And what's also interesting is that straight after that, we get, like, this total surge of, like, Divergent, The Hunger Games, girls who are, like, engaged in some kind of, like, combat Mm -hmm. position, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is cool, too. And I, and I think, like, literally, it's just because boys at those ages stop reading, and we would be so, like, we would just wouldn't have these books if it weren't for the fact that girls do read, I I think. I think it's an interesting thing. I was almost thinking about, like, dystopian YA as transcending a lot of what people think of as, like, traditionally stories that boys would want to read and stories that girls would want to read. I think it's a very, like, unifying genre in a lot of ways, especially because, you know, it also, it often has the action and romance Romance. Elements combined, Mm -hmm. this idea of world building, and, like, the fantasy element, I don't know, to me that's more, like, boy (laughs) are interested in, like, the world building aspect of it more. Um, I think you're right, though, that about the protagonist part, that perhaps since more girls read, they're more female protagonist but I was I mean I think too I was thinking about this especially in like the box office right like these are a big hit because the stories do combine a lot of elements that I think like I said like obviously it's not true what people like but like the Mm -hmm. marketing execs would have you believe Mm -hmm. (laughs) that this is um a movie that both uh boys and girls will go to yeah I mean it just I mean, to go with the OG Joseph Campbell, they really follow the, the hero's quest basically to a T. I wanted to talk about The City of Ember, which is my book that I don't know that everyone has heard of, but was precious to me as a child. I did not give a book report about this in fourth grade because 
I was actually allowed an open forum to discuss my interests um, in the class in books. So it wasn't so formal of a report as it was just like the time that the teacher allowed me to talk about what I was reading Mm -hmm. to the class. I don't know if that was something I really asked for or if she just gave it to me, but... Wait, I'm confused. You, there was an assignment and then you just got to talk? I was, I was like monthly allowed to tell the class like what I was reading. Like, Gifted student <laughs> alert. Stop. Was I there would, an ex- was there like a little like secret exclusive reading group at your school? Not reading. Or I don't well, there was the gifted reading class. Oh. oh they I, didn't even try and cover it up. They were like gifted reading class. Boom. Yeah. I mean yeah. we had it was like the purple book and yeah. the green book. And there's <laughs> only three people reading the green book and the rest of the class is reading purple. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I would like to describe myself as more of just like a book fluencer. Like I don't know that I was reading yeah. anything so advanced. Like the city of Ember, like you right. mentioned this thing about the age of the protagonist as to what you're supposed to be reading Mm -hmm. or what you what age you are when you're reading it which I think is really interesting because the protagonists in this book are 12 Mm -hmm. and so I was in fourth grade yeah so that sounds age appropriate yeah but I will just say that like even outside of the classroom like I had all kinds of people at my age like fourth fifth grade like everybody wanted to know what I was reading like you were just a reading machine I think I was just the original book talk. Like, I don't know if I was yeah. reading so much, but just, like, my picks were nonstop. Like, <laughs> I constantly tell people that, like, I read 13 Reasons Why. Stop. Like, before I knew anyone else who had read it, like, way, way before What'd I should have read that What'd you do in the book. fingering scene? What'd you do? I don't think I knew what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> you were just, like, weird. Next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'll just skim here. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about this book very quickly. And she's a librarian. (laughs) I know, that's why I'm like, maybe it would be great to be a YA librarian, but honestly, there are much better people than me to do that. I'll do, I'll do whatever I'm good at. It's like kind of a huge, I feel like it was a big responsibility. I know, I, I, that's what I'm saying, that there's like, I'm not interested (laughs) in it because I know that there are better people than me to do that. Like, I know that I, I wouldn't be good at it, but, um... Anyways, so I wanted to talk about this book because I think it was sort of before its time. And I'll talk about its movie adaptation, too, a little bit and kind of position it in this narrative of The Hunger Games because I think it's kind of interesting. But so this book comes out in 2003. If I was in fourth grade when I read it, I guess that was like 2007, seven, eight. Yeah, something like that. Thanks, math. <laughs> Um, okay. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> so the protagonists of this book, it, there's a girl and a boy, Lena and Dune. Dune! They, <laughs> they live in a city called Ember. And this is also the first book in a series of books. I don't care about the other ones other than the city of Ember. I think right. I did read Only them at the first time, Only but I don't, I don't hold any of them precious Wait, except for this one. Wait, is the cover of this book a light bulb? Yes. Okay, I remember it. You're right. So, I don't think I read it, was though. it a black book though? I'm picturing a black book. It's like dark it's brown. A bell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. It so, rings a bell. Rings a bell. But you're right. It does it ring a bell or turn on a light because. <laughs> Ember alludes to the idea of light, which is very important to the city because there's no natural light. Because okay? it's underground. Sorry. Okay, that is the plot twist at the end. Oh. Oh. Thank you for saying <laughs> it now. Um, but fine. So that, okay, it's underground, but they don't know that the whole time. No. You know it now. Okay. That would be crazy. So, yeah. Sorry. There's no natural light. 
As we come into the story, the city is having a lot of blackouts recently because their generator that they use to power the whole city is broken. So when we meet Lena and Dune, it's assignment day. (laughs) Oh my god. The day they get their job assignments. So yeah, this is a world where you get assigned your jobs. I think here they like literally pull the job out of a a hat or like a bag um, and you get your job. So Lena gets assigned a pipeworks laborer job Mm -hmm. and Dune is assigned a messenger. Lena really wanted to be a messenger Dune really wanted to do something important with his life, <laughs> which he defines as working with the generator, okay. mm. which in the pipe works is close to that. So they swap. Mm. Okay. So now I'll mention that in the prologue of the book, they talk about a box, which has been passed down from mare to mare, which has instructions for how to leave the city when they need to. Well. But the box went missing. <gasps> At this point in the book, we are reminded of the box and we're told the box opened. So actually, I forgot to mention, but the box is not supposed to open for 200 years when they're going to leave. Right. When they're going to leave the city. It opens and it reveals the instructions. But it went missing. But the box is open and it's in Lena's house. Stop it. I'm not kidding. And her little sister finds it. Of course. And then she's haunted. And then she finds... Well, because she was eating it. Lena's little sister eats the instructions. What? Yeah. She's just a little girl. girl. (laughs) She's a little girl and she's freaky. Okay. She's so hungry. She's underground. She's a little mouse. (laughs) She doesn't know she's underground. She thinks she's in a city. Girl (laughs) dinner. Thank you for that. So Lena finds her sister eating paper and she looks at it. She realizes the paper is our instructions slash a message, but she can't decode it because her sister ate it. (laughs) So there's things missing. Um, And yeah, I guess she doesn't know exactly what it is, but like I mentioned, it's the instructions for leaving the city. I think she can tell that like it's telling her to do something. At the same time, Dune finds out that the government is corrupt. The mayor is involved in a scheme to hoard food and supplies. So Dune and Lena want to bring the mayor to justice by exposing this plot. But then when they expose it, they become public enemy number one because mm. the whole system is corrupt. Mm-hmm. So they are, they're being pursued. But a blackout, because the generator is causing a lot of blackouts. So a convenient blackout allows them and the sister. Spy time. Spy time. Spy time. <laughs> yes. So during their spy time, they're allowed to escape using the instructions. And so they follow them, they piece things together. The book is written in this kind of like, I mean, it's not like super mixed media, but like they show the disheveled instructions in the pages. Also Mm. at the beginning of the book, there's a map, which I think is why I liked it so much. Mm. Um, And so they follow the instructions to escape. And then after they escape, they come to realize that the city of Ember is completely underground. And that these people built the city because something terrible was happening above ground and they needed um, a society of people to live underground. And so the book ends with them standing above, looking down into the lights of Ember, and they throw a note on how to escape down into the town square. Yes. So this book came out, like I said, in 2003. The movie came out in 2008 in October. 
And if you're keeping up, that's one month after the Hunger Games first book was released. Mm. I just did a rewatch of this movie. Of City of Ember. Yes. This week. In preparation. I'm like really (laughs) invested right now. The movie stars a young Saoirse Ronan, (gasps) who at this point has been in Atonement and next year will be in The Lovely Bones. Wow. The movie also stars Bill Murray. What? And the grandma from Charlie the Chocolate Factory. What? <laughs> it always comes back. And the butler from The Parent Trap. Oh my god. And other people You're who kidding. have won Academy Awards, but I don't recognize any. <laughs> so I won't mention them right now. Sorcerer wrote it well. Yeah. So I think that, and the film honestly did not, it was a box office bomb and <laughs> it hasn't really like stood the test of time. Yeah. Mm. Specifically, the film has been criticized for not being action-y enough. Like, I think the book is written as more of an adventure story. So, like, this part where they're escaping, obviously, has a bit of action. But, like, I think that, yeah, the film was criticized for not being action enough. Yeah, the, the, like, translation to screen is probably hard. Right. Yeah. I think it's a really, to me, it's an interesting case of, like, I mean, I think it's a good story. Obviously, I'm kind of biased because I like the story growing up. Yeah. But I think it probably wasn't exactly, like, receiving this adaptation at the right time where people had a vision for what the people were going to want to see out of it, right? Yeah. Like, literally, I think it was just a little too early for them to know what it would be like for this story to land with people. Because mm-hmm. the casting was great. Yeah. Like, and the story's good. But, yeah, I think the way that they adapted it probably just didn't hold up 100%. Mm-hmm. When did you say the film came out again? In 2008. Yeah, that's interesting. The yeah. whole just like, you know, with, what with the economic crash and everyone <laughs> is You're like, so right. we're struggling yeah. and yeah. the mayor's getting out, but True. we're underground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I think everything is getting written around like 2006 to 2009 coming out in the tens early teens Mm -hmm. that makes sense all this like dystopian YA and like the class consciousness of our generation yeah you know like we just grew up with all this stuff like the Hunger Games people so beautiful Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. her face yeah and then Katniss is all dirty and like yeah yeah the what's the name I also think it's like such a yeah Effie Effie yeah Elizabeth um yeah from Pitch Perfect yeah what's her last name wait what the blonde? Yeah, yeah. it's not Elizabeth. It's... I don't remember. I thought her name Banks. was Elizabeth Banks. Oh, yeah, <sighs> a goofy woman. Yeah, <laughs> um, Abel Hater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, y'all gotta watch the SNL. <laughs> yeah, I'll skit. clip it. The yeah. what's so like crazy about? I we didn't even talk about that. We're like basically at time, but not only are all of these teens escaping some kind of government regime Mm -hmm. and social, like, such intense social structures that, like, are almost caste-like. They're, like, also the the main rebellers of the whole thing, which, like, also answers that, like, you know, question of, like, why now? Why this character? Like, obviously, if Mm -hmm. we're focusing on this young character in this world, they have to be the ones to, like, be doing that, to to have a story and make it interesting. But, like, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting 
like, I wonder what the first dystopian YA story was and how it evolved out of just dystopian fiction in general. Like, because we have Shirley Jackson Mm. and we have, like, I don't know, what you were saying reminded me of um, Blindness. Yeah. And, like, I mean, there's all of this speculative fiction, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious if, like, if this, like, mid-2000s or mid-early 2000s shift towards YA, I wonder what that is. Maybe it's just, like, the beginning of the genre and it's, like, an easily... Mm-hmm. It's it's like a spectacular kind of thing to to read, and also like just generally, it's easier for adults to read too. It's a quick read. Yeah, I will say I think my biggest critique of the genre is like the focus it can have sometimes on combat. Like I think I'm much more drawn to the stories like where the rebellion is more like self or like one person like how you mentioned in uglies it's like these two people i don't know how it ends yeah um but like the givers the same way it ends up being like a small rebellion of one um boy yeah and because i don't i mean personally i'm not much of like a person to read a whole war sequence yeah. just to read it. Or, like, that's why I like the first book so much is because of the world building yeah. and they, like, explore the relevant themes. Mm-hmm. And then I don't need to see the part where you have the whole uprising in the war that leads to the end. Yeah. Like, to me, that's not... I mean, that's outside of the genre, even. Like, mm-hmm. war is not a necessary part of dystopia. Yeah. And that's just war. Yeah, it's mostly just, like, harsh society. I don't know. Regimented society. Mm-hmm. But we can't be categorized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't categorize us. That's ah! what they said. They said don't category yeah. us. <laughs> the group hopper. The group hopper. It just cracks me up that all of these, in all of these stories, everyone is in an abandoned... <laughs> car or an abandoned (laughs) factory or they're climbing a ladder or they're climbing a water tower or the fire escape is breaking underneath them like it's just like like all of these like tactile you know details of industry are just very overt in all of these stories to the point where like I see a ladder and it like I'm like escape they're setting themselves up for the video game adaptation. <laughs> Wait, you're so right. Yeah. yeah. Oh Dang. my god. Have you ever watched a movie and you're like, this would make a good Disney ride? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but that's the way an engineer. Thinks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> an Imagineer. Oh my god, an Imagineer. Yeah. I'm in the wrong career. <laughs> it's funny that this is the episode I'm finally a guest on. It's I read sometimes, but you know what I mean. But I guess I did love the. Hunters. You have something to add, Alexis? Oh, you read like I'm... all of these books. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, it, I just think like of all the topics, I would have thought who would have thought dystopia? Why dystopias? No. I feel like you're a good like, you're a good like beta reader of like, you know. I'm the everyman. I feel like you read a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You read. You but you look at the New York Times reader. bestseller list and yeah. you read it. And then you well, say, no, I look at the Libby app, and then it says, <laughs> this was Times. a New York Times bestseller, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. <laughs> Thanks for coming on.